0: Hello and welcome to the Friday, June 12, 2020 edition on Iowa Politics. This week, the legislature is back, a horse race poll, Black Lives Matter, and COVID-19 claims the state fair. Hi, I'm James Lynch with the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Aaron Murphy the Lee Newspaper Statehouse Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette columnist, Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up today, the legislators are in. Remember when we speculated that the Iowa legislature would come back into session, pass the budget, do pieces of priority legislation and adjourn? I hope not, because uh, we were wrong. Instead, it seems they came back with a vengeance and are intent on completing their full agenda in a short time. How short is debatable because they, I was going to say they don't appear to be moving very fast, but uh, the signs this morning are is that they might finish up Saturday sometime and adjourn the session. Um, I do worry about the legislators being there without various governmental agencies and interest groups feeding them breakfast, lunch, and dinners. So, uh, it probably isn't necessary to wrap things up and get back to some home cooking. <laughs> those, those, those receptions critical. are critical. To a well-oiled uh, legislature. <laughs> Todd, you've been um, somewhat critical of the issues the lawmakers put on their agenda when they came back for this um, re, um, re, rejuvenated session. Um, but Thursday, for a brief moment, there was harmony and unity as both houses uh, simultaneously passed police reform legislation. Does that change your outlook for the COVID-19 session?
1: Well, yeah, I think it, I think it, it. at the very least it, it puts, you know, it shows that they actually are listening to Iowans that have been marching in the streets and, and in, into the Capitol. There were Black Lives Matter protesters there in the last few days uh, asking for some sort of legislative response to the, to the police brutality issue that's kind of, Captured the nation's attention, and you know they—they did—they did do good work on on a Thursday evening, Thursday night, passing a series of reforms uh, unanimously quickly. The governor was on the floor of the Senate and the House to to aid to add moral support. So, yeah, I mean, usually this legislature only pleasantly surprises me when they don't do something really bad. In this case, they pleasantly surprised me by doing the right thing for once, and I I hope that this isn't the last right thing they do on this issue because there are, there are plenty of places in state government where, uh, and in government in general where we've got problems with systemic racism and that, that needs to be weeded out. This is a nice first step, but there's a, a lot of work ahead. So don't, don't rest on your laurels, legislature. This is, you're just, you've just now begun to fight.
0: I want to clarify something you said, Todd. You said the governor was there for moral support. I, I thought she was there for political support.
1: Yeah. Um, well it, sure. <laughs> it, it was certainly a, uh you know the whole visual of the two chambers going unanimous and the governor there I mean that was you know I don't I don't want to be too cynical and say that, that that was all part of the plan but it yeah it it looked it was it was a good idea for her to be there both from a leadership standpoint and also from a political standpoint.
0: It's not um it's not I mean it's not unprecedented but it's not common for the governor um to be in the chambers when they're debating and and so it struck me uh, that not only did she was she in the senate and then in the house but that people recognized her multiple times uh i mean there wasn't just a you know one welcome governor thank you for you know visiting sort of thing but several speakers acknowledged her presence in the chamber almost like it was orchestrated i yeah, I don't know. I don't I mean, know. But, um, things, you know, these things really happen
1: by chance. But yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, Aaron, you were um, there for the debate as much as you can be uh, via live stream. <laughs> um, it, it, it seemed very it was a very different debate than what we're accustomed to. Um, it, it was relatively short to the point, um, very serious. What. Talk about uh how the how the debate went and how it differed from what we're what we usually see
2: yeah it it really was um unlike pretty much anything I can think of in the years that i've uh, covered the legislature um, especially on the house side um, and 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 for no small reason that's where uh, the only minority members of the state house are um there are no uh, minority members serving in the Senate uh, right now, um, so you had folks like, <clears throat> pardon me, Akeo Abdul Samad and and Ruth Ann Gaines and Phyllis Thede and Roz Smith and Ross Wilburn all, all talking about this and and what this legislation meant to them in the House, um, and it was it was really powerful stuff for obvious reasons. Uh, Ruth Ann Gaines um, straight out said that this was not only a great moment for her, but a shocking moment, a moment she never thought would arrive because these issues have been important to her for years and and it never got to this point. So um, she talked about um, a a welcome surprise, but what a surprise it was to be talking about legislation like this for her. Um, and, 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 And not just that, but some of the Republican speeches were pretty remarkable too. Um, Steve Holt, who's a, a retired marine, um, talked about how he still has strong support for law enforcement officials, but despite that, recognized the need for some changes. And um, you know, talked about how much he has learned about this issue from some of his colleagues, and and learned more about the the way other people um, view this, and, and and the concerns that. People in the black community have about these issues. <clears throat> Matt Winschittle had some really interesting things to say. Um, um, and to your point, maybe the most, and I hate to, like Todd, I hate to sound too cynical, but, but it bears noting because it, it shows that they recognize the gravity of the moment. <clears throat> How relatively quick the debate was. Usually, if there's an issue that legislators are fired up about, you know a dozen of them or more want to talk about it and they get up and they spend all their 10 minutes. This was a relatively abbreviated debate session. Only a handful of people on each side got up and talked. Um, it, it was clearly a carefully selected group and, and they kept it short and simple despite the gravity of the moment. And and I think that, like I said, that spoke to them recognizing um, the significance of this and, and not just wanting everybody to get up and take their turns uh, Speaking into the mic for ten minutes at a time.
0: Yeah, that that was one <laughs> of the most striking things is is how quickly the, this debate moved and really stayed on topic. Um, and, and you know, there wasn't a single point of order called uh, during the whole <laughs> during the debate, which which is remarkable in itself, uh, given given the partisan nature of this. Um, <laughs> Aaron, it's not unusual that the Capitol is kind of the playing field for groups seeking change. Uh, there's demonstrations and rallies in support or opposition to legislation are pretty common there. This week, we saw Black Lives Matter come two days. Uh, one day they sort of rallied outside the Capitol and the next day they were inside the Capitol. Um, how much impact do you think that had, their presence had uh, on legislators taking action this week?
2: Yeah, I don't know um, <clears throat> about their presence specifically um, those couple of days when they're in the Capitol, but their presence in general, more broadly since this um, kind of civil unrest that we're seeing across our country, without a doubt <clears throat> factored into getting this legislation uh, done this year. Um, and, and, and multiple legislators talked about that. Abdul Samad mentioned it and a few others, um, that this bill doesn't happen uh, without all the protests and, and, and demonstrations that we've seen in Iowa across the country because these issues are not new they've been around forever for decades um it's this moment in the wake of george floyd's death um the, the the reaction that we've seen out there um that has driven legislators in iowa now to action here so so without a doubt and and then i think just them actually being physically in the capitol these last couple of days and they they're planning to be back there again Today I saw, um, so their their work isn't done on this. Um, um, like Todd said, they see this as a, a, just a first step. But anyways, you know, their their continued action and then their presence on the Capitol is just kind of the, the cherry mm-hmm. on the Sunday there to, to keep pressure on legislators to, to get this done. Without well, a doubt, uh, they're the driving force behind all this.
1: Well, and it's remarkable to think about. It hasn't been all that long since the state patrol or the police were you know, lobbing tear gas and pepper spray at these protesters on the statehouse lawn. And right, now, right outside. Yep. now bills pass in inside the legislature in about, what, 10 days, 14 days, something like that.
2: Yeah,
0: it, to me, it was striking that, because it seemed like this was one of those issues that leaders could have said, look, we're here for just a few days, we've got to pass a budget, mm-hmm. you know, well, maybe an interim committee. I mean, I could have seen you know them appointing an interim committee to recommend legislation for next year, but um, not only would that be politically uh, untenable, but I, I think they they realized, as you were saying, Aaron, that you know it it's a moment, um, and um, they took advantage of that moment to to make this change, um, which I, I guess we have to give them credit for that. Todd, one thing that I was wondering about is this legislation doesn't address one of the issues that Black Lives Matter and uh, other groups uh, have called for, and that's citizen review boards to, to sort of provide oversight of police departments. So does this, I mean, it seems like it leaves the burden on local government uh, to do that, or does it sort of let local government off the hook by, they can say, well, look, the state legislature did A, B, and C, um, you know, what more do you want?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the, that's the, you know, the flip side of, of doing this, this legislation, which is a good thing is that, yeah, the risk is that, well, now we've done that. And so you know, we don't have to do any more with that. And it does let some local governments that are, aren't inclined to do much about this off the hook. I mean, that's just one of the, the, you know, one of their demands that's been unmet. They, they want to see decriminalization, Of marijuana. I mean, this is a legislature that hasn't really been willing to do much to decriminalize even small amounts of marijuana. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want they want the governor to issue an executive order on felon voting rights. This legislature says if she if if there's ever you know if if the voters pass an amendment on felon voting rights, which the governor supports, uh, you can't get those rights back unless you pay restitution, which is a higher bar than we currently have, and it's going to disenfranchise a lot of people of color. So. Yeah, good things happen Thursday night, but there are also these other unmet demands and other actions that the legislature has taken to sort of set back the cause of, of racial justice. So that's, they've got, as we've said multiple times, they've got a lot of work to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the end, not the end of the agenda here.
1: Well, and even the, even the bill they passed last night with the ban on, you know, it's been called a ban on chokeholds. If you look at the language, there's still instances where police can lawfully use a chokehold and there seems to right quite a bit of you know quite a bit of uh judgment in those mm-hmm. in those sections yep. so yeah yeah
0: well shifting gears here let's talk about uh US Senate race um days after the Iowa primary election we saw our first uh, horse race poll on the Senate and presidential contest um as a former legislator said after getting caught illegally putting trash it don't look good if you're a republican <laughs> Uh, Senator Joni Ernest, Ernst, the approval rating has fallen to 38%. And on the if the election were today question, uh, T- Democrat Teresa Greenfield is leading her by two percentage points 45 to 43%, uh, which is a statistical dead heat and within the margin of error. Um, but it certainly is interesting. Aaron, um, is, is Greenfield still on sort of a primary election high? Uh, she's received a lot of attention in the run-up to the primary. Will that fade now that we have an actual head-on head uh, uh, contest? Uh, and, and certainly in the week, uh, week and a half since the primary, uh, Republicans, Joni Ernst, have uh, really unloaded on Teresa Greenfield. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah they came with with both barrels uh this week uh and the introductory introductory attack was on teresa greenfield's business experience in, in real estate and uh specifically over um a couple of cases um including one where some uh her company conducted a redevelopment project that wound up forcing some stores to move um, um and then some another one that had some financial troubles during the economic recession. Um, yeah, I I, it, I think what the polls show me is is just basically what we kind of all expected that that this was going to be something close. I, I guess I was a little bit surprised to see. I would have maybe if you had asked me to guess, I might have would have guessed the exact opposite that Joni Ernst started with the, with the small lead um, versus Teresa Greenfield having this small lead in a couple polls this week. But definitely worth noting that, I mean, we mean it when we say small. They're both within the margin of error in the polling. So this is essentially a toss-up right from the get-go, which is basically what we expected. Um, Will, you know, to your question, does Greenfield coming out of the primary, is she coming out of the primary with a little bit of an attention bump, and will that – be retracted now that she's really under, I mean, it's, it's one thing to face the barbs from a primary. It's, it's quite another when the up other party comes at you in the general um, that may have a little bit of an impact um, here. Uh, we'll see. I don't expect it to be a huge one. I think early on in this race at the very least, we're going to see a lot of these uh, really close polling numbers. Of course, we'll, we'll find out again. We just saw uh, on the Twitter machine this morning that the, the Des Moines register is going to have, a poll out Saturday night. So we'll get another uh, number and um, of course the register polls so well respected uh, and group. So that'll give us a <clears throat> another look at where this thing is starting. So as long as they ask about all the candidates.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that would be, that would be helpful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's going to be interesting to see that. Um, to see those numbers Saturday night or whenever they, they, the the race um, and, and Todd as we've alluded to um, this race is going to be about substantive issues things that Iowans care about uh, that will make a difference in Iowans lives um, what are the prospects for that
1: well uh, if you can if you can sort of be heard over the you know tens of millions of dollars in super PAC advertising that's going to probably be poured in here which basically it sounds you know, these, these sound like great groups like, you know, America's PAC or something, but it's, you know, it's really just one really rich guy in Chicago <laughs> that's, you know, financing most of it. So it's just a clash of, of billionaires. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's going to be interesting with kind of the ongoing pandemic, what the landscape is going to look like as far as debates and forums and places where Iowans can ask questions that aren't tightly controlled and, or whether it's going to continue to be sort of, Online and at arm's length, and and fought with ads and and online ads and all of the things that we've been seeing, we saw in the primary. Uh, but you know, I I wouldn't be I, I'm I was surprised to see Greenfield ahead. I think I still think Ernst is favored to win that race. Although her fortunes may be tra- tied to the president's fortunes, I mean that that approval rating she had that 38% looks an awful lot like the president's approval rating lately. So uh, you know, you understand why Republican uh, officials tie themselves to the president when you look at his approval among Republicans, and that's your sort of your base and you have to secure that first. But if he continues to, to, to fall among independents and, and sort of others that make up more of the general election uh, electorate, you know, as, as he has, tro- you know, pro- problems this year, you know, she may find herself lashed too tightly to him as he sinks.
0: President having problems? Yeah. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, okay. Old, are breaking better off bre- breaking
0: news. You heard it here first. Old, uh,
1: are you better off than you were yeah. four days ago? I, something like
0: that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, four years ago. Who even remembers four
1: years ago? Uh, y-
0: yesterday seems like four years ago. Um, Aaron, I was going to ask you about the presidential numbers in that poll. Um, 52% unfavorable. Yeah, fifty-two percent unfavorable, forty-nine percent disapprove of the president. Is Joni Ernst's problem more than Joni Ernst? Is she being dragged down as Todd was talking about? Is she being dragged down by the president's unpopularity, despite the fact that she's relentless? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things to me to watch about this race is how closely uh, Joni Ertz, um, you know, favorability and and poll numbers. Uh, look in this race compared to the presidents who aren't very good um, to begin with, as you noted. Um, Look, Iowans have shown a willingness to split their ticket and vote independently on races. That's how, uh, you know, just uh, two years ago, we got um, a a big Democratic wins at the congressional level, but uh, Republican wins at the state uh, house level and and the Republican governor reelected. We had a lot of Kim Reynolds and Abby Finkenauer voters and a lot of Kim Reynolds and Cindy Axney voters. So, so there's clearly a track record there, especially for those swing voters in Iowa to, to vote for the candidate and not the party. Um, So I don't think we go into this being able to say that as Donald Trump goes in Iowa, so goes Joni Ernst. I don't think it will be that simple. Um, But, That said, would the Ernst campaign rather be looking up the ticket at someone with much better favorability numbers than Donald Trump currently has? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, uh, But that's why I say um, it's kind of an unknown right now, and it's definitely something that will be interesting to watch as this campaign season progresses to see how closely her numbers follow the president's.
0: I think it's going to be interesting now as the president is starting to uh, have rallies again and uh, he's going to Oklahoma, I think, is it next week? Mm-hmm. And if you think about where he's done well in the past, it's states like Oklahoma and Iowa where COVID has not been the problem; it has been in New York or, or some you know, major cities. Um, so, you know, if you're a Joni Ernst, uh, for example, or an Ashley Hinson, or, or you know, David Young. Um, do you want the president to come or do you just want him to tweet his support for you? And then you can, you can say, well, but I'm not the president. I'm you, know, you, you don't have that image of you standing there next to the president, but you, you know, the base knows that the president likes you. Um, it, it's going to be interesting as we come out of this uh, quasi-quarantine, uh, how that works. And, and Todd, to come back to you and, and a point you were making about you know, how does this campaign play out um, you know, uh, you know, with in-person events and, and and lack of in-person events, we learned this week that there's not going to be a state fair, which always is a form for in-person political campaigning. Um, that there are going to be a lot of out-of-work once popular music groups, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> they'll be busking on the streets uh, <laughs> for pocket change, but uh, or
1: head east.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the casinos are still open, right? The, that's yeah, true. There yeah. Fortunately
0: for yeah, them, the casinos go. are open. Small uh, towns. Tel-
2: yeah.
0: And, and I guess if there's no state fair, it'll probably have a collective it positive impact on Iowa's health if we aren't if we don't spend a week eating mini donuts donuts
2: things <laughs> on a stick.
0: But what are politicians gonna do,
1: Todd? Well, I'm I'm waiting for the first video of a candidate flipping a pork chop on their grill
0: at home. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, I love it. of course. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, or you know, like you can get corn dogs at the store. You can fry one up and eat it on camera if you if you want to. I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a local large boar somewhere that you can kind of go <laughs> and visit at a safe distance. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's going to be weird not having that. It's uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I no soapbox. Yeah, I know. I can I can totally understand why they, you know, canceled because I mean it was you know it's just. It's you know the fair is a million moving parts and all of this is going on and it's I, I just I didn't see how they could do it but yeah I suppose you know again soapbox you can get it you can get some bales of hay and try to do that yourself at at home and have your campaign you know the butter
2: cow will be tougher to recreate yeah
1: you could go small you could just you know, <laughs> yeah. make a very small butter cow
2: out of a couple sticks. Zoom in really close, right? It's all about perspective. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's all about the angles.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, let's close with um, reflecting on Representative Steve King's primary election defeat. Um, This week, Senator Chuck Grassley was asked uh, whether King had a future in the Republican Party and what the congressman's legacy might be. And uh, Chuck Grassley's response was. I thank King for his service and wish him well, and his political future is up to him. I guess it's what they don't say that <laughs> tells you everything. <laughs> and that's uh, it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it was worth your time. If you'd like to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or or wherever you find your podcast, send fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. And you can find us on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Boston Teen Journal, Mason City the Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Career, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Sound thoughts will take us out. And if you know an Iowa band or a musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Aaron, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.
3: Stay well. The telephone phone will pierce the silence of the night
4: You're listening to Iowa Public Radio's Friday Night Spotlight of Music with Iowa Roots down on the corner. I'm Bob Doerr. We just heard the sound thoughts from Cedar Rapids. The song Heal is on their disc. It's beginning to look a lot like disaster. Before that was Seventeen Candle from suburban Des Moines. Their song Back to Memphis is on the latest 17 candle CD, California IA. And the show started with a brand new band on Down on the Corner, Existent. They're from Clinton, the easternmost city in Iowa, I might add, and feature the voice of Susan Black, who co wrote most of the material on this self titled disc by Existent. We heard Defeated. At the bottom of this hour, exclusive Iowa Public Radio live recordings will take us back to the 2009 Iowa Arts Festival in Iowa City last June for a set by the 100s. You know, these live recording sets are one of many reasons that we're asking for your financial support during the fall Iowa Public Radio on-air fundraiser. Your dollars help cover the costs of making these totally unique to Iowa Public Radio recordings. It's something we hope to continue in the months to come. Your tax-deductible pledge can help make that happen. The toll-free number is 800-882-6427. It's eight eight two sixty four twenty seven. Pledge online, iowapublicradio.org. And thank you for being a friend of Iowa Public Radio. Former Iowa Cityans Youth Orchestra has a new disc. It's called Soup, and this is Melody Truck on Down on the Corner with Bob Doerr from Iowa Public Radio Studio One Network.